When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome into Red Sox Beat. I am Jess Thomas, joined by Lauren Campbell. You can find this fantastic show of Red Sox Beat at Red Sox underscore Beat on Twitter. Check out the Facebook group, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Check out Tumblr, and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this show and all shows on iTunes and Stitcher. Once again, this is CLNS Radio's Red Sox Beat Got two of us today. Lauren, how are you this evening? I am fabulous. Well, that's good. I'm doing well, too. We got some signings to talk about, and this episode of Red Sox Beat is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for the fraction of the price, because everyone deserves great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. All right, so... The big news, obviously, the show will be the David Price show, because a day after our last show last week, the Red Sox signed David Price to a seven-year, $217 million contract. He can opt out after three years, so currently he'll be getting $31 million a year, so approximately $1 million, $1 million to start, and several thousand dollars between starts. So before we even get into the deal, Lauren... That's a lot of money. I think $1 million to start. I could do that. How about you? Uh, absolutely. Sign me up. <laughs> I saw that, I saw a tweet about it a couple of days ago. It was just like, someone was like, wow, but David Price is making $1 million to start. And the other person's like, I like to think about him making all the, some, some number of thousand dollars in between starts for, not, for doing nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy to think of it that way. I know. Because at this point in baseball, you know, if, if a guy if if a guy makes every start of the year, he's making about thirty, thirty one, thirty two starts, and that's with no injuries. So say he gets injured and starts twenty two games, then then we're talking much more than one million dollars per start, which is just mind blowing. I just I I wish I could find a job that would pay me that. Yeah, become a professional athlete. That's that's <laughs> that's what would do it. That ship has sailed. Yeah, a little old for that now, considering yes. we're older than. Half the players in the league. <laughs> Depressing. Whoops. So we missed out on that. So instead, we'll talk about it here on, on that Red Sox beat. Um, last show, we talked about if the Red Sox should get David Price, Johnny Cueto, mentioned Zach Grinke in there. And sure enough, Price was the answer. Um, so now that we've talked about how much ridiculous money it is, I mean, that's really that's really what a lot of people have been talking about with this deal, is the fact that it's seven years and $217 million, which at the time since been broken, which we'll, we'll get down to. But at the time, six days, five days ago, uh, if you're listening here on Sunday, December 6th, it was the most money for a starting pitcher in history of baseball. So he struck it rich, a rich, rich man. And, I mean, I, I guess at this point this is the market, but it just seems insane that you have to give someone $31 million a year just to pitch on your team. It is crazy to think of it that way, and I know last week we talked about how the Red Sox said they bid $40 million over the the highest bid, and I I wonder if they did that. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. It's I mean, that seems ridiculous, but it, I mean, at this point, it's just like <laughs> whatever you need to do to sign the pitcher, because as I, I want to get your take on this, you know, I've been talking to some people about it, and it just makes you feel like just shows you really how much more that the Red Sox ownership screwed over John Lester last year by giving him $155 million. Now, one year later, David Price is the same age that John Lester was last year, both 30, and they gave Price $217 million as opposed to Lester's 155, which they did not go more than that. And if they gave him anywhere 
anywhere near more than that or even close to the 217 he obviously would have signed here because um, he wanted to stay with the Red Sox, most likely, or he, wanted, he had thoughts of coming back. But now this contract completely blows the Lester's out of the water, and it's all because Dave Dombrowski is the president of baseball operations now instead of Ben Sherrington, and Sherrington just little, went along with ownership, and Dombrowski said, hey, guys, fuck, guys, screw you. I'm going to do what I want, and if you don't like it, too bad, because I'm in charge now. And they they agree with him, and they said, go for it, like, do what you need to do. So I know it's different people, but it's still just, like, one year apart from each other. It's like, what what is ownership doing? It's It's so messed up. It, it's got to be a slap in, a, in the face to Lester, too, just because, like you said, same age, and Price can opt out, like you said, after three years. I don't think Lester was looking for a seven- or eight-year deal to stay in Boston. I, he just wanted a little more money because they lowballed him, and I understand it's different ownership, it's this and that, but that just goes to show the kind of quote-unquote leader that Ben Sherrington was if he couldn't sign the pitcher that wanted to be here, that the fans wanted here. So... It's it is of course it's a lot of money and maybe Price ends up hating it in Boston and he opts out after the three years and goes elsewhere and this could prove to be a bust or this could prove to be one of the best signings ever it's one of those things only time will tell we'll just have to wait and see my favorite saying yeah it's one of my favorite sayings too <laughs> it's I don't know it's it's annoying and it it just shows me how easy they can flip flop if they had this philosophy mostly John Henry. I mean, guys over 30 years old will significantly decline. Okay, and then a year later you sign a guy who will be 37 years old at the end of the contract, just a year after you wouldn't do that. So obviously it didn't take that much to sway the opinion, so why have the opinion in the first place if you're not even going to stand by your own opinion? Yeah, it's definitely, I'm going to be intrigued to see what comes out about, more about this deal, like how it was really like the nitty gritty if it even, that even comes out, but I mean, it's 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 mind blowing, like just that they couldn't strike a deal with Lester last year, and then Price comes in. It's like, and yes, he's he's an amazing pitcher. I'm not taking anything away from Price, but I think majority of the people would would have chosen Lester any day over Price still to this day. Yeah, and and a lot of that's due to loyalty because Lester was here so long. He won two championships. He was so clutch for us and such an incredible playoff pitcher. Overall, Price's numbers are better, and there's no way to get around that. Price has been a better pitcher overall in his career year to year. That's just a fact. But it had more to do with the loyalty, and, you know, Price maybe, you know, he made some comments about the Red Sox and, you know, he had that feud with David Ortiz. So there's all, like, the little minor factors that might take in, into account. So obviously, strictly pitching-wise, yes, Price probably is better, but overall, with fitting here and everything that happened, obviously Lester would have been the top choice. But yeah, I, going back to what you said about the, the inner workings and all that, I'm, I'd be interested in that too, because is was it really all that Dombrowski had to do and be like, hey, guess what? I don't believe in your philosophy. I'm in charge now. Can you let me do this? Is that all he had to do, or did he have to like make some strike some deal with them that we're gonna find out about later on? That he had to strike a deal to make them agree with his philosophy, or was it as simple as just saying, "Can I do this?" and they say yes. That's what I want to know. I really want to know that too, because if I mean, if this comes out in any way, shape, or form, I mean, does it does it show that Charrington was a s- sort of doormat, or does it show that Dabrowski really has control of what he wants and what he thinks is best for? whatever team he's managing or that he just takes this control and he's like, this is what we're doing. This is my team. This is what's going to be best for the team. Whereas Charrington was like, yeah, whatever. Just I'm the, I can, I have the title, but I have no power. And the other, and the other side of that is, did it obviously one season pass between these two things? Was it, was it really just one more losing season, one more season than last place for most of the year? Was that all it needed to change that philosophy around? Because obviously that season hadn't happened yet. And it basically seems like it's out of desperation. So that makes me wonder, was Charrington a doormat, or did they all just kind of agree on it and it made sense to them and Charrington wasn't, wasn't willing to fight it? And then now that you know last place, maybe ownership lightened up a little bit and realized, okay, maybe that was stupid. We keep finishing in last place. I mean, that, that one year definitely could have made a difference. I can see it that way, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just... I'm so sick of last place finishes and for a team that is expected to do so well and just be 
such a powerhouse of a team to have these have one amazing year in 2013 and then just be terrible after that it's just how does this happen when you how do you go from worst to first to worst I just it's I just hope this Dave Dombrowski has a handle on what he wants to do which it seems like he does so far this offseason but I just hope it doesn't unravel and just become Charrington all over again yeah I feel good about it too and it's uh, yeah the first last first I mean last first last yeah that's what it is that uh that part is weird to me. It's like, how can you be so inconsistent now? And But really, over the last six years, it has been more consistent because they've played worse than they've played better in the last six years. They've only made the playoffs one time since 2009, and in 2009, they got swept in the first round. So really, they haven't done crap besides, uh, since 2008 with the with uh, the outlier being 2013. Cause obviously, they did a lot in that, but it's... Yeah, with this market, you can't expect last place finishes, and it's too bad because like all these other teams that are terrible year after year, it's just they just like accept it and it's okay. But then being the Red Sox, that you don't accept it, and then all of a sudden you can just go out and spend the most money that's ever been on a starting pitcher and get what you want. I don't like that because I don't like just you know I didn't like that growing up and seeing the Yankees just buy whoever they want, and I don't want to be like that. But it has kind of turned into that, and I wish that you could just like make your talent without just going out and buying the best pitcher. But in this market, with the money they have and the amount of money they're paying to the players and finishing in last place, it just doesn't cut it. I just wish it didn't have to be like that. Yeah, me either. It's, I don't know. It's been interesting. (laughs) I'm just conflicted about it. I just wish the, like, I just wish money aside, I wish money didn't have to be a part of it, because that's what it is. It's like, oh, you pay all these guys money, and then they don't perform. Like, it's, I wish they could just, like, have the players, like, homegrown, they play their ball, you don't have to worry about money. If they're bad, then you work on getting better, instead of just going out and buying whatever you want. Yeah, and it comes down, you know, the loyalty thing, and they they had no problem shipping Lester out of here on a trade, and then they didn't, they didn't give their best offer to him when they could have t- given him back. And it's the money, like you said, it's the money. And really the only thing I, loyalty when I can think of is Dustin Pedroia because he's taken discounts to stay here. He wants to stay here, but there's not many players like that out there anymore. They're just, they go after the money. They go after what's thrown at them. And at the end of the day, you can't blame them because money talks. And of course it's nice to have that security, but then that takes away the loyalty of the game. Yeah, money does talk, and I prefer loyalty over money too, which is why <laughs> this stuff's always bothered me. It always has. It's I hate that everything's driven by money. I wish, like, I, I don't know, it's just a cruel thing, but I wish that you could just, yeah, like you said, just have these players play for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, like all of them playing together, like trying to build a team. I just, that's always been my biggest problem in sports, and obviously I understood it more as I grew up, of like how everything worked. When I was younger, I just wanted to keep everyone, because I got, I got loyal to them as a fan, and I wanted to see them do well, and then all of a sudden they're just gone, and then new guys in, and teams are 95% different two or three years after one specific team, you know, a 2007 team is, 95% different than the 2010 team. The 2015 team is 90% different than the 2013 team. And that's just annoying to me. Like, I want to I wanted just lock into these players and be loyal to them, which is why I hold on so tightly to guys like Pedroia and Ortiz and guys that have, you know, I really didn't want to get rid of Ellsbury because he'd been there for eight years. Like, it's just taking in other sports like Rajon Rondo. It killed me to see him go after, after nine years because I got so used to him and didn't want him to go. So it's like when you have these guys here for this specific amount of time, I wish you could just be loyal and instead of just having guys just flying from team to team and left to right all, all over the place. That's, that's always frustrated me. Yeah, no, me too. Cause like you said, you get, you get attached to these players because whether we grow up with them or whether we're in our twenties and spend the last six years with the, with the players on our team, it's like we just have connections with them, and then when you see them so easily leave, it's like, okay, cool, so you don't care about the fans, and that's a crappy way to think of it, but, again, loyalty, and when money beats loyalty in in sports, it's kind of like, cool, thanks, we mean nothing. It just, like, desensitizes you, too. You're just like, so this guy just doesn't care about the fans, and, like, people get attached to them. I mean, it sounds cheesy, and it sounds kind of lame to talk about, I guess, in a way, but, like, when you spend 
all this time watching these guys and rooting for these guys and getting excited about these guys and cheering and being sad and everything. You know, like they take you to the washer and the dryer and you want to you want to be loyal. And if you do this year after year with some players, then when they leave, it hurts you even more. But you just you just wish there could be more loyalty and and you want to think in the moment like, well, screw this guy, he's not going to be here in two years. Why am I rooting for him? But then what's the point of rooting for anything? Because if you think that way, you're not going to be loyal to anything and not really enjoy anything. Yeah, exactly. And I understand it's a business like everything else out there, but it's it's for the fans out there. So I don't know. It's it that frustrates me when I see players that have been here for six, seven, eight years. Players that have been here for since I was a teenager just leave or just get shipped out because it's like they meant nothing. If they get shipped out, it's like they meant nothing. Yeah, and taking that even further, like guys that are on a team. And then they go to a team for two months after the trade deadline, and then they're gone to another team like that. It's like, okay, for those two months, like, what's the point of even having the guy? You barely even need to know him. Like, he's there for a third of a season, and then he's already gone. Like, that stuff really annoys me. Yeah, me too. I just, I can't get over it. Yeah, I don't want to go on forever about it and go into a whole soapbox about loyalty and stuff, but <laughs> this just this just kind of all reminded me of that just how much money is being paid to these guys and how everyone just flipped from team to team. Like, it doesn't even seem like it matters anymore, which. I mean, look at David Price. He's gone from team to team, and the Blue Jays, speaking of loyalty, didn't even offer him a contract. Yeah, we can start with that, with Price. <laughs> that he, well, so Price was on Tampa Bay for six years, and then he went to Detroit for a year and a half, got traded to the Raid, uh, the Jays, excuse me. Last year was on them for half of the season, and, you know, just those two, three months, and then, like Lauren just said, didn't even offer him a contract. He wanted to come back, because I guess he, you know, God forbid, wanted to be loyal to a team, didn't even offer him a contract. What's up with that? It's it's interesting because he pitched very well for them. He pitched he's, he, like he's always been a very what good. Was he eight, what was he eight one with them? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I mean, I guess they didn't want him, or maybe they they felt they couldn't afford him, and they just were like, we're not even going to offer him anything. But I feel like even if you feel like you can't afford a pitcher, if you want him, you're going to offer him something. Yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't offer him a contract at all. Like, and I think he came out and said he was shocked as well. Yeah, he was shocked. Why? Why wouldn't you offer a guy a contract who <laughs> was it was either eight and one or nine and one in the short time he was there and brought them into the ALCS? What the heck more do you want from the guy? <laughs> a playoff win? That's the only thing I can. Think of. <laughs> well, yeah, makes sense. But he did he did leave them there and and you know he didn't. Despite him not winning a playoff game, he did pitch well in a couple of games, just didn't get the run support in this particular outing. So that's that's even up for debate. But it's like to not even offer a contract is very strange to me and I don't I don't get it. I don't either. I, I, the whole loyalty thing, uh I know it was only <laughs> half a season, but that's a pitcher you can really depend on and hopefully this seven year deal with Boston will be his new home and it'll be He'll be loyal to Boston. He'll like it here. He seems very excited to be here, which is great. Yeah, and the fact that he actually wanted to go back to Toronto makes that whole thing even stranger. But, yeah, so, okay, well, so let's get into it. So $31 million a year, can opt out after three years. Currently it's two years, $217 million. He's had some problems with the Red Sox in the past. Red Sox ownership did reach out to David Ortiz and asked him if he was okay with signing Price because of their feud. If if you guys don't know about the feud, you know, it's Price didn't enjoy Ortiz, you know, flipping the bat and running the bases really slowly, all the stuff that Ortiz does that everyone loves. He took exception to that, and then Ortiz just wasn't having that, and he was just saying, like, it's war, and if Price throws at me, then, then you know, there's going to be a war, and, like, he just... <laughs> They got really into it, and a lot of a lot of fighting words, and and uh, they severely disliked each other. But Ortiz said it's all in the past, the past, and the past. Bring him on, you know. Once he's on your team, it's going to be completely different, and he'll be totally fine with it. So nice of ownership to ask him. Price accepted, but fans are still worried about if he's gonna if he's gonna be able to get along with the team. He's gonna be able to get along with the fans. I know people think he's kind of sensitive, and he's he's you know, talk back to fans over Twitter, and he tweets a lot, and get into arguments and whatnot. So people were worried about all that about all that stuff. That aside, the pitcher that we're getting and how good he is, and 
the fact that he was second in Cy Young just last year. Clearly, he's probably in his prime right now. He's 30. He's not, he's not like in the twilight of his career. Like, he's right in the thick of it. And the biggest thing, as we talked about on past shows, is that he's pitched nearly all of his career in the AL East. So, overall, what do you think about the deal? Um, overall, I, I like it. Obviously, I won Cueto here, but that's another topic for later. But, the, like you said, the pitcher we're getting, I feel like Ortiz and Price can look past anything that went on in the past. And, I mean, maybe a lot of it was just for, for show and playoffs and the rivalry and emotions are high, things, stupid things are said. and that, But that makes the game fun. Like the bat flip, David Ortiz staring at him. Like, that's what makes the game fun, and I think Price understands that. And even if they don't get along, it's one year that they have to deal with each other. Yeah, I I think that's no problem with Ortiz. It, he gets along with anyone. Obviously, he's going to disagree with some guys on the opposite team, or if he has a reason to, like he did in that situation, that's all fine. Once you get on the team, I don't think I don't think you can really really blame them for that. It was heat of the moment. It was a tense situation, and you know emotions spilled over and all that. But now they're on the same team, and Ortiz realizes the picture the picture that we're getting in Price, and I'm sure he's totally willing to look past because this is the last year he wants to win a championship. So yeah. this this is going to help, obviously, because you're getting an ace pitcher. Looking over some of Price's numbers, he's gotten 20 wins once, 19. I've uh, had 18, 15, 12, 11, 10 twice. So he's gotten a double digits in every season that he's pitched a full season. So and in terms of wins, he's five-time All-Star. He won the Cy Young in 2012 with Tampa Bay. He was 20 and five with a 2.56 ERA and 205 strikeouts. Um, he had 271 strikeouts in 2014 uh, between Tampa Bay and Detroit combined. Uh, he is one. He's after that Cy Young award when he's gotten second in Cy Young twice, including last year. Um, he's even finished in the top ten of MVP last year, and he was 12th MVP in 2012 when he won Cy Young. So he's got some nice accolades. He's got some nice numbers. Overall for his career, he's 104 and 56. It was a 309 ERA in eight years. So, I mean, he's consistently been good. I mean, you know, a season of 20 and 5, 19 and 6, 18 and 5, very impressive numbers. Always go to get ERA. Obviously, he's had trouble in the playoffs, but, you know, at this point, obviously I'm concerned about playoffs, but at this point, and I'm sure this is what ownership is saying, we have made the playoff one time in the last six years. you got to get there first. And if you look at his numbers, how can you argue? No, I mean, you, you can't. And, of course, playoffs are in my mind as well, and that, that comes from being out of Boston and being spoiled by playoffs and championship runs year after year. And I know that building a good team is part of the reason why you get there. And Price helped the Blue Jays get into the playoffs, and I feel like he can help the Red Sox get into the playoffs. And we have a very solid bullpen, so if he doesn't get that run support, if we make the playoffs in 2016, he doesn't get the run support, or he has a bad outing, that they'll be able to pick up that slack. And maybe it'll be different this year if if the Sox make the playoffs. And maybe he'll turn around and all of a sudden he can pitch and be like, wow, he just threw eight shutout innings and had 16 strikeouts. Yeah, and I don't know if he saw anything from his, his press conference, but so of course the question was asked about his playoff his playoff struggles, and Price so candidly said, maybe I was maybe I was saving all my playoff wins for the Red Sox. Right, right thing to say in that situation, right? Oh, that was good. I saw that, and I was like, I love it. And I'm sure the Blue Jays and the Tigers and – the 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 Rays didn't like hearing that, but we loved it, so we don't really care. I mean, what can you say? If you ask that question, you haven't pitched ball in the playoffs. What are you going to say? Like, oh yeah, I, uh, I was bad, and I'll be good. Like that was a good way to say it. You know, he's moved on from his other teams. You just got to look to the future. The future is the Red Sox for him, at least at least for now, and possibly for a long time. So you might as well make a joke about it like that. And you know, he's he's a down to earth guy, and he kind of says what he thinks. So there's no point in being positive. And mean nothing but positive for the future. So I like I like how he said that, and you know he's excited about being in a place you can win, looking for some rings. Um, bottom line is, you know the Red Sox have money, and 
they need to change. They needed an ace, which they didn't do last year. So what they do? They spent a lot of money, and they went and got the best pitchers available. I don't think there's any question that Bryce is the best pitcher available out there this offseason. No, number-wise, and like I said, the numbers you just read for a career, it, there's no arguing it. Absolutely not. And I'm I'm really excited to see what he can bring to Boston, and hopefully he can bring a positive attitude. And being 30, he's been in the league for a while, so a nice veteran kind of presence out there and and a leader. Like, we need that ace, and hopefully he can really just rally, or the guys can rally around him and just get get to the playoffs. I just want the Red Sox to get into the playoffs so bad. Yeah, this has got to make you feel good about it. I mean, I can't. I don't see it being turning out bad unless he just is like the biggest whiner and he just can't handle it. And it's just being the horse that he's been for his career and the age that he's at and the fact that he's pitched in the AL East so much. I just don't see it really being realistic. Thinking that he's just going to completely fall apart, be a terrible pitcher, be a whiner, be a baby. I just I can't see that happening. It just doesn't logically make sense to me. It doesn't. And like I said, because he pitched in the AL East and he's been through the playoffs. And I, I just, I don't see it either. And I'm sure he's going to have tantrums and he's going to have bad games. And But I don't think it's going to negatively affect the entire his entire time that he's here. He knows what he's getting into. He's pitched in Boston before. He's dealt with Boston plenty of times. He, he knows the atmosphere. He knows what's going to happen if he does if he does poorly, he knows how quickly the fans can just boo you off the mound. And I think he's capable of handling that. He needs to be on his game right from the beginning for that reason exactly. You don't wanna you don't wanna get on everyone's bad side and, and get off to a slow start, which obviously can happen, but you don't want to be that guy. And yeah, I mean he'll have to he'll have to respond to adversity. If he does do poorly, he'll have to get by it. But I think he's capable of doing that, and I think he's a guy you can rely on. You know, we can we can obviously hope because this is the guy you got, David Price. Now, now the Red Sox ace, and we'll, we got to rally behind him because now that he's here, no reason not to. No reason for people to whine about his contract. No people reason for people to whine about his past. I mean, he's here now, and he's going to be here, so you might as well you might as well enjoy him and, and root for him because no point in doing anything else. That's it's good that he has a. An opt out after three years, I I think that's cool. That's fine with me. You know, if if he doesn't like it here, we don't like him here. If he decides to leave, then you know three years isn't a crazy long time. And if he does like it here and he pitches well, then fantastic. We got him for four more years. Right, like it's really a win win contract. Like if he doesn't want to be here or something goes wrong, you can three years isn't that big of a commitment. And maybe he loves it and he wants to stay, and we can just pay him off his contract, and we won't have to do. He won't opt out. We won't have to sign him for more, and it won't. And I think it'll all come together. And I think they were very smart about his contract and very smart about time and not so much money, but the lengthwise. I think they were very smart about it. Yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. I don't. I don't think people can complain about that. They will, but I don't think they have any right to. No, um, I don't think so either. I mean, I'm. I'm not complaining. I'm. I'm happy he's here. Yeah, me too. So let's get to, let's get to how he got here now. Now that we've talked about expectations and what he will do here, uh, it came out about a day after the signing happened that uh, he nearly signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. They gave him a good offer. He wanted to be with St. Louis, and it sounded like he wanted to be with St. Louis over Boston. And then the Red Sox offered him thirty more million dollars. And then he decided to come here because it was just too good to pass up. That concerns me in the fact that he was going to go to one team and then money pushed him to the other team. I also get that, like, you want to take the best contract because that's just kind of what you do, I guess. A little concerning in that in that terms for me. But, you know, he, he took the best money. He took the best deal, and he's going to make the, mo- the best of it. But, yeah, nearly signing with the Cardinals. And then we found out after that that – if the Sox didn't sign him, if the Cardinals got Price, then Zach Grinke was the next option for the Red Sox, and that they were most likely going to sign him because they were they thought he was the second best pitcher out there. Price was their guy, but if they didn't get him, even with the extra thirty million dollars, they were going to go after Grinke, not Johnny Cueto. That was really interesting to me. What were your thoughts about it? <laughs> um, very interesting because we didn't really speak too much on Grinke 
on our show because I didn't really see him as even a second option. Like, no, like I thought it was Price or Cueto. I didn't think it was uh, Price and Granky, and then Cueto somewhere three, four, five, six. And who knows where he was at this point? I, I know, and it's it's weird that he still is on the market. But I mean, I don't. I'm really glad that we didn't get Granky because I don't think he'd do well here. Just he want he wanted to be in the National League. His heart's in the National League. And he did want to stay with L.A. Obviously, that's not the case. But I think when you have somebody who comes out and says he wants to be in the National League and he wants to be on a specific team, I think that kind of is bringing a little bit of negativity already to the team you're going to. So I'm, I'm glad that we didn't get him. Very interesting, though, that he was the number two guy just because I didn't really hear anything about him in Boston. Like There were no rumors floating around. It was always Price and Cueto. Yeah, all we heard was Price and Cueto. That's what we went off of. You know, I thought there was a chance they could get him, and I was kind of behind it. I, mean, I was thinking, why not? I know you and Jared thought that it wouldn't be the best idea and that he wouldn't fit in the AL. I would have given it a chance. I would have been a little wary about it. But I would have given it a chance, just knowing how good he is and how good his numbers have been. He is 32, which makes slightly more concern than someone who's 30, which is probably why Price was the top option over him. But a little surprising that he was the second option but clearly they wanted Price because they threw $30 more million at him instead of just saying, well, fine, you want to go to the Cardinals? We'll get Grinky then. Obviously, he was a backup, and they really wanted to go for Price. Yeah, and it's it's clear that they wanted Price, and they were going to do whatever they could to get him, and whether that was offering him a lot of money, a lot of extra money that he was offered. Um, I am I am glad that he like was able to come out and say, like, oh, he wanted to sign with the Cardinals. But I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I shouldn't say that I'm glad that he said that. That's completely wrong of me to say that. But it it is concerning. And, but he's here. And I think if he really wanted to go elsewhere, he would have, he would have gone elsewhere. Well, I can see why you'd say that you, you're not necessarily glad that he said that. But in another sense, I'm kind of glad that he did, that all of that did come out of him nearly signing with the Cardinals because that, that kind of shows you more of the plot and how like how these deals work and how like the inner workings of the plot of how, who to sign and when to sign and what kind of time limit they have and how much money they need to give. I think that's all interesting. And it, you know, it's, it's just, it's just honest. It's just reality. It's, and I think that it's cool for fans to, to know that it might make some scared like, Oh crap. They, the Cardinals wanted him and they would have gotten him if we didn't throw more money at him. But I mean, it's just the reality and, that's just money speaking, and I think I think it's more interesting to find out and to know how 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 it actually happened than to than to just be in the dark and just think like oh he always wanted to come here and they got him you know it's it's cool to know what happened. Oh no, I definitely like knowing what happened and um, it's just the inner workings of management and the GMs and what goes into making this making this deal happen is really interesting and. It also shows just how many teams were interested in, in him too, because they, I mean, Price, like you said, was the number one free agent out there. So it goes to show that he was he's number one for a reason. There's all these teams throwing millions at him, and he ended up obviously with where the most money was thrown at him. But it just I like that when there's a lot of teams interested in somebody, and then Boston gets them. I, I like that too. Yeah, it is cool, and you know, I, you don't know necessarily because like we're not we're not in management like like knowing that that uh they needed an answer for price by tuesday because otherwise you know like time would have run out on granky because he had a deadline of when he could sign by so it's interesting to see like well it's you had to get this by this time so you got to really go for it and see what happened it's like just thinking about like the pressure involved with like who to get and like your franchise is depending on this all the fans are depending on this and you got one day to figure it out, and it's kind of cool to see, like, that's actually how it works, because it just shows you, like, how intense it is, and, like, how important it is, and how quickly stuff happens. Oh, yeah, and how quickly stuff happens. Price signs with us, and then all the other starting pitchers, like, Granky signed, and Zimmerman signed before Price signed, but it's just funny to see, like, a domino effect, like, Price was gone, okay, well, then, it's like, these teams know what they're doing, and they have it lined up, and it's, and that it really comes out in the off season when one person goes, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Like next person's out, next person's out. Like 
it's just very interesting to watch it all unfold. Yeah, and we can whine and complain and be like, eh, you didn't get the right guy, and get the right guy. No one said it was an easy job, and it's, you know, you got to trust these guys. Like, this is what they're doing with their life. Like, this is what they're invested in, so you got to – sometimes you just got to go along with it and be like, all right, let them do their job. Like, that's why I don't like to be too skeptical of things, at least, like, before you see how it plays out, because – You'd like to think that these guys know more than we do. I don't claim to be an expert on this crap in, in any way, and I'm certainly not, and I don't even necessarily like talking about it because I like to just see guys go out there and play. I'm not really as into the whole management side of signing guys and doing this deal and doing that deal. It's it's interesting to like learn about it, but like I'm not going to tell anybody I'm an expert on it, and I'm not going to say that's my favorite part of the game by any means. Oh, no, yeah. and I mean, I'm no expert either. I'm not in management of baseball operations and I can only imagine the pressure that they're under especially in the offseason and especially for Boston when they're trying to rebuild a team and the fans expect to be in the playoffs and expect 90 to 95 wins a year it I, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of pressure to build a good team with good chemistry with the players and I I think Dombrowski really took a hold on it and uh we obviously needed pitching we needed pitching last year and didn't obviously didn't work out in our favor and he jumped right in and he's just we signed a starter he signed a closer so he he knows what this team needs and I think he can handle this pressure and he can really handle this this situation I know I I think I would fold I'd be like do whatever you can get you can I'd be Ben Charrington (laughs) yeah I probably would too and it's impressive for Dombrowski to come in here and and be with this new club with all these expectations and all this pressure and just come in here and be expected to change things and make things work for the team and make them go places and between getting Price, getting Craig Kimbrell, getting a fourth outfielder and Chris Young, like I don't think he could be doing a whole lot better at this point and I just think that's impressive just coming in here from scratch and having to make all these huge moves. It's it's you know, it's tough and he seems to be doing a good job, so I'm I'm definitely impressed thus far with with how it's gone. Um, just want to remind everyone again you're listening to Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio my name is Jess Thomas her name is Lauren Campbell you can find the show at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jess Sayin and you can find Lauren at Twitter at la 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 l-a-u-r-r-r-r-e-n you yes. got it Woo. Oh, that felt good. I didn't even look it up. That was all memory. Thank you. <laughs> good job. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you because you have, this is the first time that you've gotten it right. So Yeah, I really just went for it and just really thought it out and really really dived in. <laughs> la 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 Lauren. La 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 Lauren. So you can find us there. Find the show there and uh, let us know how we're doing. Talk to us. Please follow the Twitter handle if you haven't because we had to get a new one and we're having a little more trouble getting the followers that we had before. So please follow us if you were before or even if you weren't before. Please follow us anyway and we'll give you all the shows you want and some chatter and some banter, all that good stuff. You know, you tell us how we're doing on this. I mean, like we just said on the show, we're not experts on this stuff, but it's what we're talking about because it's what's happening right now. It's the off season. You know, both of us would rather talk about what's happening during the season, but, you know. It's a podcast where we talk year-round, and, and uh, we're going to talk about it no matter what. So so those are our thoughts on price and how that whole shindig went down. Um, we got some other some other deals going on in the league. Um, but first, it's just interesting because it is now December 6th. The winter meetings are just starting today, and I know we talked about in previous shows. I know Jared thought that that uh, all the dro- the balls were going to drop at the winter meetings, but there's been a huge amount of signings before the winter meetings even start, which I'm not sure if that's totally par for the course, but it's definitely interesting that, that all this happened before that, and you know it started with Zimmerman and then really took off with Price. Yeah, I'm surprised um, that it happened before the winter meetings. Usually, you know, like we said last week, that's when, that's when a lot of big signings happen and when a lot of the action goes down and, now I'm curious to see what what else can happen. A lot of the big pitchers are off the market, and I mean we have, like I said, we have a fourth outfielder, we have closer, starter. I don't know. Will Hanley be gone? Will Hanley get traded by the, at the winter meetings? Like that's the only thing really this team needs left. So 
I'm very interested for these winter meetings to take place for the next couple of days. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens because of all the good things we have done. Yeah, we can still get rid of Hanley. Yeah, we can still get rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. potentially, maybe get another bullpen guy. But really, if nothing else happened the whole offseason, I would be happy with what we've done. I mean, it's no need to go insane. Got your ace, got your got your closer. You know, the bullpen seems pretty good. The lineup seems pretty good. Like I don't, I, just, I don't really see necessarily, except for getting rid of Ramirez, doesn't really seem like a, a whole lot really needs to be done. I really think he's he's nailed it so far in short time. So I think that I think they're in I think we're in good shape. I mean, I know we said this last year, but but Hanley and Pablo were so questionable. Price and Kimbrell don't seem so questionable. I feel like we're in better shape this year than we were last year. Oh, no doubt. I feel like when Ramirez and Sandoval signed, um, there were doubts right off the bat. And now with Price and Kimbrell and Young, there's not you don't hear the, the negativity around it that you did when, when Hanley and Pablo signed here. And I try to be positive about the two of them because I'll try to be positive about anyone. Because like I said earlier in the show, I want to be loyal to the guys we have on the team. And I was all behind them. I was ready for them to have a good season. just didn't work out that way. So I don't want to get ahead of myself and just act like it's going to be the best team in the world again. I mean, obviously things could happen. Bad things could happen. You never know. But just based on who we got and Price being one of the best starters in the league, Kimbrell being one of the best closers in the league, I mean, you can't argue with that and the amount of growth that's being shown. Who knows if it was just the end of the season, but the end of last season as we went over, you know, they just got better and better and better, and Bogarts and Betts were really showing what they got, and the pitching was getting better, and, you know, it's just, it seems like positive things are happening. I'm encouraged by it. Don't want to get too excited just because I was excited about last year, and, boy, that was a flop, so we'll see. But I think I think good signing so far. It's definitely, definitely been a good off season thus far. Been good to talk about, exciting to to uh, see where the chips are falling. So going off of that, we got some deals. We'll, we'll break them each down, especially the big ones here, a little bit. Um, as Zach Grinke did not sign with the Red Sox because <laughs> because David Price did. Um, shortly afterwards, Grinke signed a six-year, $206 million deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, well, David Price's record-breaking <laughs> contract didn't last very long. Because six years and two hundred six million is thirty four million dollars a year, as opposed to the thirty one that Price is getting. So Granky knocked him off for the top, the top price, uh, one one year less than Price, but um, more money a year. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, what do you think about this? Um, I was shocked to see that the Diamondbacks got him because, like we said earlier, we heard so much about him wanting to stay with the Dodgers and. Then it came out, oh, he was, Boston really wanted him. It's like, okay, so where is this guy going to end up? And lo and behold, it's it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I, I'm i not sure how I feel about this. I, I don't know if it's going to be a good fit for him or maybe it'll be a great fit. Like, I'm really on the fence about this one. And the he's a little older. Like you said, he's 32. He got all that money and he'll be so 38. Yeah, he'll be 38 when his contract is up and that's a long time I know we committed to price for seven years but two years especially in a pitcher makes a huge difference and I I don't know maybe the Diamondbacks were just desperate and they they wanted to sign him that badly yeah and the interesting thing about it is that from everything I was seeing after after price was taken by us so after after Boston was off the market for him everything I was reading was that it was between the Giants and the Dodgers for Granky. I didn't see anything about the Diamondbacks. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he signs this huge deal with the Diamondbacks. First of all, I didn't think they'd give, I didn't think the Diamondbacks would give that much money. <laughs> Second of all, no one even talked about them as being a possibility, which just goes to show you that you never know with this stuff. Great for them, because they're on the, they're an on the fence team. They're around 500. They need, like, that good pitcher to, to set them up. And I think it works for him, too, because just for, just speculating off the reasons that we kind of talked about, where he, you know, wants a lower pressure situation. You know, he had the anxiety issues earlier in his career. So in terms of all that stuff, if that's still true or, or part true or anything, being on a less noticed team like the Diamondbacks, I think will be good for him. In terms of winning, I question why he would want to go there specifically because you'd assume that the Dodgers and the Giants 
and the Red Sox would have a better chance of winning than the Diamondbacks, at least in the near future. Then again, maybe you could be that deciding factor to turn it around for them. So it's definitely interesting altogether. I don't know if it's better for him or better for the Diamondbacks or better for both or worse for both. I really don't know, but I can see both sides of it at least. It was just so unexpected. It was very unexpected, and like you said, it was between the Giants, the Dodgers, the yeah, the Giants and the Dodgers, and I mean, I want to, I want to know. This is where I want to know, like the nitty gritty. When did Arizona come into play? Were they just like the Giants and the Dodgers, and then all of a sudden Arizona was like, eh, let's just throw a deal at him, see if he takes it. And I didn't know that the Diamondbacks were capable of spending that kind of money. Yeah, on the guy. Like, it's the Diamondbacks. Like, and, you know, and he now has the biggest contract of a starting fisher ever. They're like, never mind. We're, it's like, screw Boston and their their <laughs> highest contract. We're gonna we're gonna outshine. We're gonna be the uh, we're gonna be the ones to talk about this off season. And even still, I'm like, hmm, Zach Greinke's gonna be on the on the Diamondbacks. He's not gonna be on a high profile team. Yeah, which could be good for him, or maybe he'll fizzle out and not have as much motivation to be good. Who knows? But yeah, I want to know the nitty gritty too, because that's all the reports that came out right afterwards, you know, on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. That was it. It was like Zach Grinke gonna decide between the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm like, oh boy, fasten your seatbelt and see what happens. And then I think it was like maybe two days later he had signed with the Diamondbacks. Just Yeah, it wasn't like, I, don't, I, I didn't see I mean I wasn't I wasn't, like, on my computer 24-7, like, just waiting for the ball to drop and seeing any rumors or anything, so I, I didn't really follow it that closely, but then just all of a sudden, after it was, like, known to be down to those two teams, all of a sudden they just signed this huge contract. I didn't see one peep out of anybody, like I said, I wasn't really looking for it, but nothing jumped out at me is that they were in the race at all. No, me either. I didn't, I mean, I I wasn't really keeping up, like, too much with it because I was, like, I was either going to go... So he's most likely going to end up with the Dodgers. And I know that they didn't want to give him that sixth year. So I wonder if, if that was really the breaking point for Granky. He was like, I, I want that sixth year, so I'm going to go where I get it. Right. Yeah, that's possible. All I have to say is good luck to the Dodgers because now they don't have one of the best pitchers in the league in Granky. They don't have their manager. I mean, obviously they're going to... They have Dave Roberts now, but they don't have the manager that they've known for several years and Don Mattingly, so things are a little bit in flux with the Dodgers, and they can't seem to win in the playoffs anyway, so I don't want to be a fan of them, so I'm glad I'm not, but <laughs> good luck to them, that's all I have to say. Yeah, that's about all I have to say to them, too. Good luck. Yeah, I'm not a fan of them anyway, so I really don't care, but interesting now that they're losing him. We'll see how they do with just Kershaw. So... That's where Grinky went, Arizona Diamondbacks. And yeah, it's interesting that they threw that money at him because they threw uh, $120 million at Johnny Cueto, and he denied it, which we talked about um, on a previous show. He was like, no way, I could get way more than that. So the Diamondbacks threw that deal at him, and then they threw this deal at Grinky. So I guess they really want that ace pitcher, and they got it now. Who knew they had that kind of money, like we said. But let's, let's jump into Cueto then, since I kind of segued into that. Um, Cueto didn't take that deal from the Diamondbacks a couple weeks ago, and now several pitchers have, have uh, signed. We'll talk about more, too. Um, but Cueto, I just read, tonight is in no rush to sign, still, even after all these guys have signed, and that he may wait till after the winter meetings to sign. So another you know, five, six days after all these guys have already been signed. Um his agent said, I don't expect anything. We're in no hurry. I don't have a specific timetable. I uh, have some offers, but plenty of time in the beginning of the season. So they're not worried about it at all. They're clearly thinking that he's going to get a deal. Um, his his agent about the low offer from the Diamondbacks, he said it was a low offer for the market. We didn't have to think hard to reject that offer. Arizona wanted to do something fast, but we didn't want to take something below market value for a number one starter. And with the recent events, I think that time gave us the reason so they're really just they're really taking it slow, and uh, he's just waiting around for the best offer. And who still who knows where he's going to go? We talked about that in the previous show too. It beats beats us where he's going to go. It's it's hard to tell at this point. But are you surprised that he's not in a hurry at all? Yeah, I am because I really saw him and Price as like the one two, like they were going to go one right after the other. And we, obviously, we all know I wanted Cueto here. And just to hear that he wasn't even really considered to be the top two for this team, 
and then for him to turn down an offer and then Price to go, Zimmerman goes, Granky goes, you would think he'd be in some sort of hurry. And I don't think he's going to get offers thrown at him left and right. We've heard of one deal that he was, that he was offered and he turned down. And I wonder if there's any team out there that's pushing to get him. Cause I feel if, if there was a team that really wanted to pursue him, they would have signed him by now. Um, but I also think he's just saying that I kind of think he wants a place to call home. It's obviously if you're a free agent, you don't, it's kind of a little discouraging when you're seeing all these other players get signed and you still haven't signed, or maybe he's just enjoying the, the market. Who knows? But I'm very shocked that he's in no rush. Yeah, because you, like you said, you would have expected him to go along with Price and, and Grinky, and it just hasn't happened. So, right, that begs the question, do teams not want him? Or is he just gathering information and, and there are offers there and he will take one of them? Like, which team is it going to be? I mean, we don't know. So it's tough to know. Is, is he falling off the map? Is he screwing himself out of a deal by, by sitting around and waiting? Like, should he have taken a different offer? I mean, we expected him to get a lot, but he has been inconsistent in his career, like we said. And I, I, maybe maybe he's not worth as much as he slash we think he is. And I mean, it is interesting now that all these put, these pitchers are off the table. You think he'd start feeling the pressure of, like, oh, crap, i got to get on a team because these guys are all getting on a team and I'm still sitting here. So I'm definitely interested when it's going to happen and what his deal is and what the heck team ends up signing him because it's a total mystery at this point. And to see someone like Jeff Samarja get a deal that just happened, um, which we'll get to now, Samarja signed a five-year, $90 million deal with the San Francisco Giants for $18 million a year. So somebody that's considered a more top-tier pitcher but not quite even in the same class as Cueto he already got a deal now, so the fact that he got a deal before Cueto is interesting to me. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I'm just still sh- shocked that, like you said, he went before before Cueto, and he was that, under 500 last year. Samarja, yep. he was, he pitched terrible. Yeah, he wasn't. You didn't really hear too much about him, and like I looked up his numbers today uh, before the show, and I'm just like, wow. He got a lot of money for being a bad pitcher. Because Cueto was under 500, but his ERA was good. Samarja was under 500. His ERA was five. Yeah, he and was god awful. Yeah, Cueto's record doesn't, you know, doesn't do his or his ERA doesn't do his record justice. And but oh god, I I I see that as a bust signing. Yeah, I was really surprised. You give a guy $18 million a year, I get that he's been good in the past from time to time. But he was supposed to come in, Samarja was supposed to come in and be like the White Sox saver. Well, they were garbage. He was terrible. He had some really bad games. I mean, he got roughed up for like 10 runs one game, like 8 runs another game. He had a lot of trouble. And now the Giants are signing him to a pretty big deal. Obviously not as big as the other guys' deals because he's not as good. But still, $18 million is a pretty solid chunk of money. And... What are they expecting him to to be uh, to get them back into the World Series and their <laughs> what supposedly will be this year because this is their <laughs> yep. year every other year as they as the Giants do things but I, that's that's a pretty big signing for and to sign to, you know for him to sign before Cueto to be such an average pitcher I really not sure what they're thinking maybe maybe I mean the only thing I can see is that they're thinking yeah he had an off year but he's a better pitcher than that let's grab him now before someone else does, and maybe he'll have a breakout and be the pitcher that the White Sox thought he was going to be, be the pitcher that he could be. It's it's a lot to, to ask, though, and I'm not sure if he could do that. I'm not sure either, but if he does, the Giants are going to look like this was a genius signing. Cause it's, then if he does really well, the money, it's not obviously not as big as the others who have signed, but they'll be like, oh, we made out in this really good deal, and we got a really good pitcher. And maybe this is what he needs. Maybe he needs the National League, and you know, Buster Posey's a really good catcher. Maybe he just, maybe they saw something in him that other teams didn't, and maybe they see something in him that they know they can work with and get him to be the pitcher that he should be. Yeah, I mean, but it's it is questionable because it's kind of his make or break year. It's career numbers forty seven and sixty one with a four oh nine ERA, <laughs> not, not good. I mean. 11 and 13 this year. Uh, 
seven and thirteen in two thousand fourteen, eight and thirteen in thirteen, nine and thirteen in two thousand twelve. He's had a lot of pretty crappy records, and his ERAs have been pretty average. It was good in two thousand fourteen, which is funny because that was his worst year record wise. But you know, a four thirty four ERA in twenty thirteen, and three eighty one in two thousand twelve. Like we said, four ninety six last year, nearly five. He's you know he's he's gotten roughed up a lot, and he keeps being hyped to be this good pitcher. But he really hasn't shown us that he is. Yeah, that his numbers just sure sound like an almost hundred million dollar pitcher. Absolutely. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, the weird thing. You're throwing to eighteen million dollars a year at a guy who has finished under five hundred almost every year of his career. What? And I'm that's gonna... like that's another deal I'd love to get on and how that happened, the nitty gritty. And I don't think there was really a competitive market for him. I don't think there was other teams really in the race, and that the Giants had to be like, well, we're going to throw this much at him so we can get him. I I don't think that happened. Right, they're sitting there like, how can we justify this deal? Oh, let's just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't, that's, I don't know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be keeping my eye on him this season, though, definitely, just to see how he does and what the Giants do with him. Just, oh, man. Watch him be but, Cy Young and pitch better than all these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's gonna, Cy Young, he's going to have the lowest ERA. He's just... He's going to have right. leading, leading the league in strikeouts. and The Giants every, will win the World Series and be like, ha, see you guys. Yeah, he'll go we're like 23-4. and four. <laughs> <laughs> With like a 2 ERA. Like, this guy's never done this before. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that deal. Samarja signed before Cueto. Cueto's still waiting. So, so Samarja, Grinky, Price, Zimmerman all off the table. So, getting down to the to – the, uh, Lesser pitchers after Cueto, so we'll see what happens. Uh, before we get out of here, a couple smaller deals to talk about. Um, go down the list here. Darren O'Day reached a four-year deal with the Orioles. Uh, that's not great news for Red Sox fans because they're in the same division as the Sox, and Darren O'Day's a really good pitcher. He's he's a great guy to have out of the bullpen. Oh, yeah, that's a solid signing for the Orioles, and, and it's not good news for the Red Sox because they're going to have to face him, but that's very good for them, for the Orioles, absolutely, because he's always been good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a 7th, 8th inning guy. He's, he throws some marine style. He's very deceptive, hard to see. I sure as heck wouldn't want to face him because he's, he's got a nasty delivery, and I don't know, I don't even know how to batter see the ball. Yeah, I don't – I would never even try to hit off of him. I don't even know how you throw like that. I've tried to throw like that. It's impossible to throw some marine. I don't know how to get any, any like, anything on it. No – no like mustard on it. Oh, I know. It's so interesting to. I love watching that. The whole the wind of the delivery. I love everything about it because it's so interesting. And it's like if I had to go up, be in the batter's box and face him, I would just step out and be like, never mind. <laughs> Can I have a pinch hitter, please? <laughs> Strike three. Yeah, it's that's. I totally agree. I'm mean, just looking at his numbers here quickly. Um, yeah. The last four years, seven and one, five and three, five and two, six and two. His ERA is two twenty eight, two eighteen, one seventy, one fifty two. Really impressive numbers. So he's thirty three years old, so he may decline. In four years is a lot, but good signing for them because he's a solid pitcher. Um, the A's made a deal. They signed Ryan Madsen to a three year deal. Not a whole lot to say about that, but he's been a solid pitcher, and they need something because they've had some, they've had a couple of rough seasons. Yeah, and. Uh, Good, good signing for them. Like you said, they've had some rough seasons, but I feel with some good signings and some good, good players here and there that they'll get out of those little ruts that they're in, and hopefully he can help them. Yeah, he's he's 35 years old, so he just probably doesn't have a whole lot left. But he's had decent ERA the last couple of years, so I think he could probably give give the A's something good. Um, Chase Utley signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers, so he's still sticking around. He's still still in the league, even though he's pretty old too. The Dodgers are scrapping for anything now that they lost Grinky, lost Mattingly, so I guess it makes sense that they'd want to get some veteran back for some kind of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's been in the league for forever, and he's the veteran veteran presence that a team needs. And of course, there can be questions about his style of play, if he's a dirty player, all that. But I think that you know what what are the Dodgers going to do? Like they said, they lost Mattingly and Grinky, so they need they need someone and. If they're going to have a voice on their team, it's going to be Utley. Yeah, so one-year deal. See how he does in that one year, and he can take it from there afterwards. Uh, Jared Salzamacchio, old friend, signed with the Detroit Tigers. 
to be to attempt to be the backup to James McCann. So he's really fallen off the map in the last couple of years for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I kind of forgot about him completely. So when uh when I saw that deal, I was like, oh okay, I remember him now. Yeah. So he's still sticking around, still in the league, trying to be a backup. So. He did his deuce for the Red Sox, and now we'll try his luck with the Tigers. Uh, the final thing we had to talk about is um, something that hasn't happened yet, but the New York Mets are willing to sign Ben Zobris to a four-year deal. Zobris, of course, helped the Kansas City Royals win the World Series last year. Good guy to have. I think that'd be a great move for him, especially if they lose Daniel Murphy, because Zobris can play a lot of a lot of different positions. He can play outfield, he can play infield. Uh, I think that'd be a great deal for the Mets to get him. Oh, absolutely. He's a great utility player, the solid bat, and I just think, I guess we're going to see how willing they'd be to sign him if they really are, they really, really want him. Yeah, so be interested to see in the next couple of days if they do in fact sign him, because, like you said, great utility player, and he's, yeah, he's a difference maker. Definitely, definitely was a big difference for the Royals, so I'd be interested to see that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Red Sox Beat. A lot of David Price talk, a lot of different signings. Um, I'm sure more to come in the next week with the winter meeting, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, this episode was, once again, brought to you by Casper, uh, online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Uh, it's a comfortable mattress. has the right sink and bounce, long-lasting comfort and support, really all you could ask. So uh, make sure you head over to Casper.com slash Celtics, get $50 off your mattress, and uh, have great sleeps for the rest of your life, because sleep's where it's at, and Casper's where it's at, so thank them for supporting our show. Um, that's going to do it for us, so wait till next week for the next show. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, Lauren Campbell, Jess Thomas, Red Sox Beat, once again, make sure to go to that Twitter handle, and at Red Sox underscore Beat and check out all of our content and our shows and uh, that's going to do it for us so Lauren have a good night and we will see you in a week see you in a week